Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. This week, we have a very interesting episode. And I'll be honest with you, one that Dad has called me up and said, I'm going to do this episode. And sometimes I know a lot about the story. Sometimes I purposely go out and research it just so I've got some answers to the show. Um, This one... I know very, very little about other than I was told this might annoy some of your listeners. So, quality by the sounds, I mean, I always like to annoy you guys. So, um, hopefully, we're not going to offend too many people with this one. But I think it's. Uh, it's not meant to be offensive no. to anybody. Well, history is offensive regardless, I think. You know, um, it's not meant to be offensive, unfortunately, but these are the facts of history. So. We're talking about the the men from Boston. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Well, the only reason I know that is because Boston is a rival of Grimsby, which is where I live, and the Boston football team are called the Pilgrims. That's that's my only link there. Okay. Right. Yeah, what are we talking about, Dad? Right. Uh, Well, let's go. This particular podcast i found a very difficult one to put together and in order to give a wholly accurate account of this particular portion of of history i had to visit a vast number of documents and records and what comes to light is actually a revolution revolution revelation (laughs) like a revolution yeah it's almost i was almost right wasn't i okay um and it, it may come as a shock to some of your american listeners but a lot of what is taught in schools isn't actually correct. All right? Mm-hmm. And we are talking about the Pilgrim Fathers. Yes, we are. Okay. Now, I mean, in the UK, the voyage of the Mayflower is merely a footnote in history, if it's ever mentioned at all. Right, It's not a big deal in Britain and has little or no relevance to our history whatsoever. America, the situation is completely different. The subject is a very, very big deal and forms a fundamental part of the founding of the country itself. Yeah, I can believe that. The problem here is that the subject has been unjustly glorified. Okay. No, that that does happen in history, you know, as a general rule. Mm. How badly, though? (laughs) Uh, To me, I don't know what American education teaches about this particular subject. So this is going from purely historical... Yeah, I mean, I would say maybe the schools now in America may be teaching more of what you're going to say, but I can guarantee that our older listeners who would have been in school sort of 20, 30 years ago, just with the change of the way they have to teach everything now, they have to tell you the darker side to history. So Mm. maybe nowadays it's... Yeah. Um, So in order to tell this part of history, we first need to understand what was happening in England in the 1600s. Okay. Yeah. Now, in Britain... It was a Christian country. But there had been, and still were, conflicts between the various factions, the main two of which were the Church of England, who were Protestants, and the Roman Catholics. The preceding hundred years had alternated between these two, with each one alienating and persecuting the other, the one that's out of favour at the time. You do realise that still happens now, though. Have you ever been to an old firm derby between Rangers and Glasgow? Yeah, (laughs) but yeah. Um, And these divides were the cause of some of the most notable events in the 17th century, such as the civil war between Parliament and the Royalists, the gunpowder plot, um, the religious conflicts at the time resulted in buildings being destroyed, executions, long-term prison sentences for those who practiced the wrong religion. And, to be honest, in the early 1600s, the wrong one was Catholicism. Yes, which was a strange one when you look at history. Um, In 1593, the English Parliament 
outlawed independent congregations. So basically, the attendance of the English church, which is the Anglican church, services were made obligatory. That was the only one you could go to, and you had to go to it. And you had to go to it, yeah. So during the first few years of the 17th century, you know, that always gets me. The 17th century is the 1600s. Yeah. Because the first century started at zero. Yeah, weird, isn't it? It gets me every yeah. time, yeah. But anyway. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, uh, during the first few years of the 17th century, a small group of religious extremists in a town called Scrooby in Northamptonshire, began to believe that Christianity was becoming downgraded. And this separatist group was led by two men, a gentleman called William Bradford and a gentleman called John Robinson. Now, they felt that they were the true Christians and they were not satisfied with the reforms that had already taken place in the United Kingdom, or Great Britain as it was then. They were determined to purify the church and return to a scripture-based order of service without all the trappings of wealth and ceremony. So your, your sort of your uniforms, your incense, your chantings, your things like that. You know, um, and they just didn't believe that religion needed that. Yeah, they wanted it just to be the book. Yeah. So for this re- this reason they became falsely referred to as Puritans. They were not. They were separatists and religious extremists. In the eyes of the church, they were seen as sedacious and heretical. Their views were extreme, to say the least. They believed that God had already chosen those who would go to heaven before they were even born, and nothing done during that person's lifetime could change that. They also treated women extremely badly, in that they dictated women could not do work other than keep house and raise children. They considered women to be the weaker vessel, and according to one of their leaders, John Robinson, It was the man's role to educate women, to guide and go before them. Thus, women were expected to take up feminine occupations, such as child-rearing or maintaining a household. Women, single women, of marrying age were not usual and definitely not a common sight in their, their world. Most widows remarried within six months to a year. Children didn't fare much better. Robinson, the aforementioned leader, pastor, whatever you want to call him, also advocated strict upbringings for children, with a strong emphasis on corporal punishment for behavioural issues. In fact, thanks to him, they believed that a child's natural rebellious inclination was a manifestation of the original sin, and thus something to be beaten out of them. It wasn't something enough to just belt the original sin out of kids. They tore children away from their parents. Mothers would take care of their child until he or she was about eight years old. And at this point, the community would then place the child in the care of a a fosterer or another family the reason they did this was because they believed that a children's parents would love them too much making them incapable of properly disciplining them and by making somebody else raise them they thought the child wouldn't grow up to be spoiled anyone who would not conform to their view of christianity was unfit to be part of their group in fact you could describe them as the taliban of their age Yeah, it does sound a little bit like that, to be fair. As a result, in the eyes of the law, they were renegades. They were traitors for defying the authority of the king. Bearing in mind, the king and the authorities had said, you will go to church on a Sunday. You will go to an Anglican church, Church of England. This is the only religion you're allowed. This group, they didn't want that. Mm. Are we talking James I here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
the king's agents ruthlessly hunted these Puritans, and in particular, this one, yeah. this particular group. So living under constant threat of imprisonment or even execution, Bradford, Robinson, and their congregation made a number of attempts to move about the country to get away and hide from the law, and all of which failed. In 1607, the group chartered a ship from Boston Lincolnshire. in Lincolnshire yeah. to take them to Holland. Holland, at the time, was more tolerant of differing religions and views and therefore more accepting of this particular group's version of Christianity. Unfortunately, this group ended up losing money, and they were betrayed to the authorities. So they didn't get there. Right, okay. But a year later, they tried to cross the sea again. They didn't give up, and they tried to cross again. They decided to cross at a deserted spot between Grimsby and Hull. No, I know that spot. That's where I live. Yeah, it's the beach by you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This time, they used a Dutch ship. But as the ship approached the, the, the coast, the crew spotted some armed men on the shore. It sailed away. And it sailed away after only some of the male separatists managed to get aboard. The wives and children were left on shore to be captured by the authorities. They were not happy. Yeah. With all the problems of finding and prosecuting these separatists, the King's Privy Council met to discuss the situation. The result being, rather than allow their distorted version of Christianity to infect the Church of England, it was decided it would be better to allow them to leave the country and go to, Hull go to Holland, where they would become a Dutch problem. Yeah, that seems like a good idea to me. So basically, this group got kicked out of the country. Yeah. We no. didn't want them. No. They were religious nuts. Yeah, they <laughs> sound it. And we kicked them out of the country. They made their way to Amsterdam and ended up in a place called Leiden. There, they remained conducting their version of Christianity. And they did it for 12 years. And during that time, they had the freedom to worship as they chose and and do what they did and live in their community with their own rules and everything else. But they'd fled from a rural community to an urban one, and they had a little bit of trouble adjusting to the change of pace. They tried keeping their community close-knit and separate, but it caused problems for them because without interaction with the others, they couldn't make any money. Yeah, And slowly, the younger members of the group, the children, started to adopt the Dutch language. Now, this is against the wishes of the elders of this particular religious group. At the time, Holland was going through a little bit of a problem with the Spanish. And the Dutch felt that they were potentially going to be in a war with Spain. Now... This would have threatened this religious group's freedom and would inevitably lead to Holland becoming Catholic and then they'd have the same problem as they had in England. Yeah. So the final straw came when a number of the congregation's younger members decided, we live in Holland, we should give something back to Holland. And they joined the Dutch army. This was not acceptable. Okay. They wouldn't have it. So by 1620, the separatists decided that having the religious freedom they initially wanted wasn't enough, and they were going to do something about it. They'd also started to become a bit of a problem to the Dutch authorities. So a minority of this group decided that Although they had the religious freedom they wanted, they couldn't convert the rest of Holland to their extreme version of Christianity. So they needed to go somewhere where they could build a colony without the influence of others. Some of them wanted to go to Guyana, 
Others suggested Virginia, as they were already English, and there was an English colony already there. It would have been easier. It would have been easier. But they did decide not to venture too close to the one that's over there for fear of coming under the king's rule again. Yeah. The elders eventually decided that despite these dangers, the new world was where they would head. A petition was sent to the English crown for a charter to establish an English colony in the new world. Some were concerned about approaching the government of King James because he'd already forced them into exile. But to be honest, the king was not that bad. Yeah. He didn't want them in England. And they're a lot less of a problem the other side of the Atlantic. Exactly. So the government didn't refuse their request. To be honest, they just didn't want these extremists back in the country. So they gave them permission with one condition. The group's religion would not be given official recognition. So arrangements were made through an investment company for a voyage to the New World. The group arranged a loan to finance their colony from a place called the London Virginia Company. And two ships were charted for the voyage, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. The Speedwell was for the passengers. The Mayflower was for the provisions. The Speedwell developed a uh, water leak prior to the departure, about a week before departure, to be honest, and it needed a repair. And that's before they even started the voyage. The Mayflower and the Speedwell eventually set sail on August 5th, 1620. And it was very evident from ship's records that neither crew actually wanted the extremists on board. They didn't want to undertake the voyage. Mm. A week into the voyage, problems developed on the Speedwell, and they had to return to Dartmouth in England. The truth is, the leaks in the Speedwell came back, and it was decided to return for safety reasons, so both ships went back. After the repairs, they set sail again for the Americas on the 15th of August. They made it 300 miles off the English coast before the Speedwell started to leak again. The two ships returned back to England. Now, by this time, the passengers on board had spent six weeks in dank, wretched conditions in a confined space at sea. And basically, they'd made no progress at all. So it was finally decided to abandon the Speedwell and put everybody on the Mayflower. So of the 120 Speedwell passengers, 102 were chosen to travel on the Mayflower. And the supplies for those were transferred and the voyage was now back on. Records show that the Speedwell's problems were due to the crew sabotaging their own ship. (laughs) Quality, because they just didn't want them on board. Their brand of Christianity was seriously not wanted. So so they sabotaged the ship. Well, yeah, because the other one, they wouldn't have done it because they didn't have them on board, did they? No. Eventually, the group made the seriously bad decision to make the journey. It's a choice they're going to regret. The Mayflower eventually set sail from Plymouth in England on September the 6th, 1620, 102 of the separatists on board. This is the wrong time of year to make a journey. They did not plan it very well. They are going across the Atlantic in winter. It does mean that the group would now arrive in the New World, if they made it, at wintertime. Yeah, that's not not the best way to start a new colony, is it, in the freezing cold? The voyage across the Atlantic took 66 days, and the ship was small, especially by today's standards. It was only 100 feet long. It only weighed 180 tonnes. It was tiny. The accommodation was poor. It was crowded. During the voyage, one crew member and one passenger died before they even reached land. Wow. They had a child born at sea during the voyage. The uh, separatists named him Oceanus. Oceanus Hopkins. Okay. He didn't survive. He only lasted two years. He died two years later. So he died when he was two. But 
he was born on the on on route and the mayflower arrived off cape cod on the 11th of november 1620 the London Virginia Company that had loaned the group the money for the voyage had insisted that they land near the mouth of the Hudson River and set up their colony there. They had a charter to set up the colony on the Hudson River. Right. That's where they were told they could go by the English Crown. History tells us they did not fulfil their contract. Upon arrival in the New World, the weather was so bad as a result the mayflower took shelter in cape cod bay which to be honest i believe is somewhere near boston i'm just checking yes it is it's massachusetts the bad weather spooked them so instead of basically doing the british thing sucking it up and sailing down to their designated real estate they stayed where they were they had no legal authority to establish a colony at this location and some of the group rightfully questioned the decision to do so. But they were overruled. It was now winter. After ten days, they made land, and this was the 21st of November. They landed at Cape Cod, which is now, I believe, called Provincetown. And just up the road is Plymouth, which makes sense, seeing as they left Plymouth. Here, the men went ashore, but they spent two months trying to find somewhere to settle, while the women stayed on board the Mayflower to look after the increasing number of sick, and obviously the young, the younger ones. Conditions on board were miserable. It was damp, it was dirty, it was crowded. Many of the people on board died before they even set foot on the land. In fact, only five of the 18 women who made the voyage survived that first winter. To be honest, the Mayflower was a cargo ship. It wasn't a passenger ship. So it wasn't outfitted to hold people long term. <laughs> Certainly not for six months. Wow. It's a long time, isn't it? During the excursions on land, the men found two burial sites. The first was a sacred Native American gravesite. They showed no respect for those buried there and they plundered this site and removed anything that they thought would be useful. And it gets worse. They Punching did the, the same one. to the second one they found. The second one was full of Europeans because, yeah, the area had been colonised before but due to the terrible conditions, it had been abandoned years previously. This group certainly weren't the first Europeans to settle in the New World. In fact, the first had arrived many years before. But after disturbing these grave sites, the men also found some corn, which they took. It turns out this was a store put there by the Native Americans for the winter. Oh. So they actually stole the Native Americans' food store. And in short they decided they were going to settle on land already occupied by a Native American tribe. Now, I can't pronounce the name of this tribe, but it looks like the Wampanoag. Wampanoag? Yeah, that looks right. Yeah. Amongst others, but the Wampanoag seem to be the, the, the main ones. Now, this tribe had already had experience of Europeans. They were fully aware of the type of people they were going to be dealing with. And, to, and they were that aware that a number of their people managed to even speak English. But they also knew these invaders brought diseases with them that the Native Amer Americans had no defence against. And in reality, a substantial number of the coastal Native Americans actually had been wiped out previously by the diseases brought by Europeans in, you know, for the last hundred years. In addition... Over the years, a number of their people had been taken away as slaves. And this is before the separatists arrived. So it's fair to say that the newcomers weren't exactly welcomed with open arms. You can understand why. The place that the new arrivals picked for their settlement was an uninhabited Wampanoag village. The Native Americans had abandoned it after they'd suffered from diseases caught from the earlier settlers. So, they're not happy that these people have arrived. 
They also then discovered that their store of corn had been stolen. So the tribe kidnapped one of the children from the colonists. The colonists. We'll call them colonists now because, you know, yeah. And they offered to trade the child for the stolen corn. The child was returned, but the colonists refused to return the corn. In fact, they responded with a show of strength and they sent men with guns. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Against the Native Americans. Hmm. I'm beginning to like these people less and less. So much for their religious beliefs, eh? Yeah. The winter of 1620 and 1621 was actually brutal. The colonists struggled to build their settlement. They struggled to find food. They struggled to ward off sickness. And due to their extremely bad planning, they only managed to build seven of the 19 planned residents during the first winter. So by spring, 50 of the original 102 Mayflower separatists were dead. The remaining number of settlers, colonists, they realised they would not survive without assistance. So they actually negotiated a peace treaty with the Native Americans. And in March, they signed this peace treaty with the tribal chief, uh, Massasoit. Although the tribe were very wary of these new arrivals technically they needed them so for years they'd been in conflict with another tribe and this treaty was their way of ensuring the threat for them from the this other tribe was neutralized well they now got guns yeah that does make a difference throughout europe the end of the summer has been celebrated for hundreds of years going back to pre-roman times in, the, in england the event's called harvest festival and it occurs once the summer harvest has been collected in and stored for the coming winter. The colonists brought this tradition with them. So once all the crops had been gathered in, they decided to celebrate their first year's harvest with a feast. Part of this included firing their guns into the air. The festivities went on for several days, but this was certainly not a family gathering, as several letters written at the time actually confirm only the men were involved the women of which there were only four left remained relegated to doing the cooking children were not invited huh. oh dear on the third day of celebrations 90 warriors from the Wampanoag tribe appeared they'd walked for two days to reach the settlement and they were ready for a fight because they believed that the settlements was being attacked because of the gunfire. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. This was obviously not the case. And it's not known exactly what they brought with them, but they did bring four deer. And you add that to the corn, the shellfish, the roasted meat. You know, they've, they've walked for two whole days to get there. They're going to have something to eat. Yeah. They joined in the festivities. Is this like, um, I mean, just taking that, I don't know if that's right, but is that what they call Thanksgiving? This is, that this is, is the, that is Thanksgiving, yeah. The Americans have now turned this into Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, basically it's a harvest festival. Yeah. So that's that's essentially what they've done with that. So the, the story of thanks, this is essentially the story of Thanksgiving, but the real story this is the real story of them arriving yes and i suppose they're they're taught that obviously thanksgiving it was they made a peace treaty with the the tribe and they were there to mm. share a meal and yeah um i mean the 
Wampanoag people do not share in the popular tradition of Thanksgiving. Yeah. For them, the holiday is a reminder of betrayal and bloodshed and everything that went on. So it's not... No, it's not got the same reason. I mean, the Europeans lived in general peace with the surrounding Indians... Indians? Native Americans, aren't they? They're not to say Indians anymore. No. No, because they would be from the Asian subcontinent. Yeah. That's why there's so much. You're not even allowed to have Washington Redskins anymore. That's gone... Well, they lived in peace until news reached them about a supposed attack on other white settlers by other Native Americans, and they decided to launch a preemptive strike against them. Now, this is the colonists. Well, there's not that many of them either, is there? Oh. What they did is they organised a preemptive strike because they'd heard that Native Americans had attacked other settlers. Yeah, they organised this preemptive strike. They invited two prominent Native Americans, military leaders, to negotiate over a meal, but they stabbed and killed them before they actually managed to eat anything. When words of the murders got out, other tribes wanted nothing to do with this group. Yeah. So the colonists' fur trade was ended. They could not trade. It bankrupted the colony, and because of this, they couldn't pay back the London, Virginia company, who they'd borrowed money from, to get there in the first place. And therefore, they defaulted on their original debt. I mean, to be honest, in the years between 1630 and 1642 alone, 25,000 European colonists arrived to bring with them these devastating plagues, and and diseases which basically cut the native population by more than half the leader of the wampanoag died mysteriously in 1662 whilst visiting the colonists to discuss gathering unrest between the two groups there were periods of good relations between the english and the well english the, the colonists i suppose they were, originally they were english weren't they and the Wampanoag. There were violent conflicts. The the settlers violated the peace treaties. They managed to capture one of the leaders. They put his head on a spike. They uh, sold some of the uh, Indian tribes into slavery. Uh, they attacked a native stronghold, killing up to 600 native americans but about 150 colonists died in the, in the battle but uh again the, the colonists won and uh they uh sold their captives into slavery hmm. so to be honest the, the one native american was quoted as saying these people these were people who came here for their religious freedom because they couldn't worship as they pleased in their own country. And yet when they came to this country, they did not seem to have the same tolerance for the people they met here, despite all that the Wampanoag did to help them. You can't have a colony without somebody being colonised. I suppose that goes for the British colonial system as yeah. well. Yeah, It's a... Very, very far cry from the scenes of that first harvest celebration. Yeah. And and to be honest, even that wasn't celebrated until President Lincoln needed something to unite Against. America after the Civil War. And he chose Thanksgiving. It wasn't actually a thing until President Lincoln decided this is what it's going to be. Do you know, I had no idea. I would just assumed that it was something that they'd done. They didn't celebrate it. They didn't know. It was. It, it did happen. There was a meal. But that was for harvest. But it was for the harvest festival. It was, it was at the end of it. Just something you know, they'd done since. Just something they'd always done. And obviously, the Native Americans have arrived thinking that they're being attacked, they've been invited in, which you would do if you're having a celebration. Yeah, come in, have a party. Yeah, great. Yeah, and also they've not turned up to cause a problem. They've turned up in defence of the colonists, thanks exactly, to the peace yeah. treaty. So they, they've turned up as friends. Yeah, 
and and they've been invited in and yeah and that was the end of it and had it have finished there it the, probably would have been it would have been yeah, okay but, but yeah they were not popular in england they were not popular in holland they were kicked out of both countries basically they've arrived in the new world and they're not like there either yeah and yet they're celebrated and yet they're celebrated i don't think oh, there's probably something someone one of your listeners will come up and go yes but or there is a british similar thing where the british i mean we know the british aren't liked so all over we're the not world. liked anywhere <laughs> well no <laughs> but that's you know so i suppose it's not but but there you go that's your the pilgrim fathers the, the pilgrim fathers arrival in yeah. the new world it's interesting as well because because they shouldn't have even been there no no <laughs> it's um yeah it's very interesting because obviously you you know i, I mean I, I think a lot of americans found it strange the the tv show vikings that came out um a few years ago and i know a lot of americans found it really strange when they found out that the vikings were there first so there was an explorer called leif erikson who actually founded america was the first European settlers in America around 900 mm. AD. So well, there, there was they a, forget there, there, that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You say that. There is. Oh god, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think because it came out earlier in the year. There is a mummy, three thousand years old in Egypt, and when they examined the body, it had things that could only have come from america in it now i'm mm. not sure what that was mm. that's interesting but it, I don't know, which leads certain historians to believe that egyptians made it to america now Why if that is the case bother? if that is the case that is one hell of a journey yeah, because you're through the Mediterranean, all. through and then across the Atlantic. I'll do a little bit of research on that, see if I can come back and give you a bit more detail. But that's what I've heard through sort of historical hmm. instances. That would be interesting. I know um, when they obviously when they found the the reason they found that the the Vikings had been there, they found the is it the redwood tree that's native to America? I'm sure, it's Cal- North, California. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they found that wood being used in iceland for housing it could only have come from america so that's how they made the, mm. the connection that they'd been there but um yeah i mean it's 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 very strange to to think but again i mean it's americans do they not worship but they celebrate these really weird things i mean obviously they're celebrating here essentially the original part of it is do you know what i actually got asked by an american this is a side note i got asked by americans uh, by an american do you have thanksgiving no and i said yes and they said when do you have it like fourth, fourth of july, july. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i can agree with that one but they, i mean that like I said, they celebrate this and then they, they i believe they celebrate columbus day oh, i wouldn't know i'm not that up on um no but I, I mean, I mean, Christopher Columbus. All right, yeah, he found founded the New World. Fourteen ninety-two. Yeah, well, for starters, he didn't even find America. He found the Caribbean, and secondly, he was a paedophile. Yeah, but he was he, Portuguese. He, yeah, but he wrote in his books. There's many, many books where he, you know, his diaries where he, he says that he he likes the like prepubescent girls and yet they Definitely. celebrate this man and it's like you know learn I, I i mean i don't think he's as as well celebrated now as he used to be i think a lot of this has come out um and he is sort of i don't think many people actually celebrate columbus day now because of this but they you know there's a lot of things that and, and i i understand it i do understand because america doesn't have this massive long history i mean our history oh they've back. managed to cram a lot into their history i mean i've done a lot of american history oh they have i've done almost as many american history podcasts as i have other post- podcasts yeah so in the 200 plus years that america has been an official country they've done a lot oh yeah there yeah. is a lot there but in saying that there is a lot of america 
Yes, that is true. And they're very vastly populated. Yeah. Um, and let's be honest, when you look back through history, they have got some of the greatest minds of all time and scientists and things like that that have invented they have yeah well i know you you know that i know there's a lot of things that have been stolen but yeah you know but the the fact yeah, is so so you know there's a lot to their history even though it is a short history but what i mean by it is when you don't have that that identity like i, I know i know it sounds big-headed but like the british the french the um i wouldn't even say the germans because you know prior to that it was the holy roman empire but the, the british the french the italians um the russians that sort of vast history that spans america is the only country i know that has people with dual identities what do you mean oh like uh, african american italian american how can you be african and american well, you can't. You no, are American. Yeah, I mean, I I, I find you know, there was a guy. They do um, in America. They do um, an African American scholarship for um, African American students to get into college. And um, one of my my friends has a friend who lives in America. He's from South Africa, and he applied for this African American scholarship. You have to be like top of your class, and they, they help you pay through college and things like that. And um, he went to the interview, sat down, and and the woman said, I I can't give you the scholarship. And he said, why? And she said, well, you're not African-American. He said, well, I'm from South Africa. I I was born in South Africa. Which makes me African. Yeah, which makes me African. I'm from the continent of Africa. I moved to America when I was 13. I've been here for 10 years or six years or whatever. I'm now an American citizen. I am African-American. And she went, yeah, but you're white. And it's like... She did, he didn't get it because his face didn't fit, but he was a genuine, a genuine African American. He was from Africa. See, he moved to America, but he didn't get the scholarship. And I, I can't see how somebody can have dual nation, dual identity. Mm, again, you I can't think, be French British or German British or Italian British. No, but you can be Irish British. You, you can be Irish or British. Well, there's a lot of people that have, like, an Irish mum and an English dad, and they class themselves as both. Depends who they're talking. Yeah, but they don't class themselves in the same breath as both. No. They don't say, you know, if they're I'm not with Irish, Irish yeah. then they'll be, well, I'm Irish because my mum's Irish. Yeah. Or I'm English because my dad's English. Yeah. It's not, I'm English-Scottish because my dad's Scottish and my mum's English. Mm. It's like, it's only in America. Yeah, I know. You, know, you are American. Yeah. You're not Italian-American or Irish-American. Yeah. You are an American with an Irish heritage. Yeah, or you're Irish or you're Italian, yeah. You know, and you're not African-American. You're not an African-British. No, although to me... You are British, but you are black. Yeah. I mean, do we not have... um, do, do we not have like uh, well, I don't know we do class like Afro-Caribbean does that not is that not one where it's sort of like is that well you look at that I mean our, our relatives are white and they're in the Caribbean yeah no yeah well Rosemary's lived there and she, she lived yeah so we've got relatives in in Barbados but then her children are Caribbean yeah they're Caribbean yeah they're Bayesian, or they're they're not anything else. No. no. I suppose the only time I've ever heard it is when you get people go, "I'm British Indian." Yeah. Now I've heard that before. I don't agree with it. You are either Indian or you're British. Mm. You know, it's 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 a case of where you're born. Yeah. You know. If you're born in England, then you are English. Although in saying that, well, you know you got that you've got again you've got like a load, loads of people. For example, uh, um, I mean I know someone. I'm sure there's someone in our family was born in Germany, but on an RAF base in Germany. So if they were that, so they'd be British. Yeah, but they were born in Germany, so they can actually claim to be German because they could. Yeah. But they wouldn't be British German. No. No, I suppose it wouldn't. Strange, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yes, it's it's a it's a weird way of looking at things. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. No, I think again a lot of but it's just it's just not something I can cut my head around. Could you not see it as like again like I've always said with with America though, and when I speak to a lot of Americans, there is this um, they they love. I mean, I said seventy percent of my listeners are Americans, so Americans do really really love this. They love history, and. Again, I think that comes back to the sense that they don't have a huge history. Um, although it's very well packed in, they don't have a, a huge history. So could they it haven't be, got a length of history. Yeah, lengthy history. But could it be that they're they're saying, Well, you know, I'm Italian American, I'm Irish American, I'm African American to sort of expand their history for their own purse so to sort of look back and go, Right, well, okay, well my ancestors have only been here for two hundred years but prior to that, they were Kenyan or they were Italian or they were Irish. And, and then to look back at that type of history, just so... Because everyone, why, why do they need to? I don't know, but you did our family tree and you've gone back to a thousand years ago. So people do do it. They do want to know. Well, yeah, they want to know, but I, you know, that's, that's just, it's just weird. You know, like, why does it matter? If you have Italian ancestry, then you have Italian ancestry. You know, you yeah. look it up. You don't. Have, it doesn't matter to the bloke next door, your neighbour. No, no, I suppose you not. You know, so why turn around to the neighbour or a, to a complete stranger? I'm Italian American, and I know you're not. You're American. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, like I say it's not something that that we we do in this country, but it's only done in one country. Yeah, but there we are. There we go. Enough, enough Americans say <laughs> that one. Well, hopefully, I haven't upset anybody with that because that is the definitive history. I've had to leave quite a bit out. There's, there's, you know, it's there's lots brutal. of little stories in it. You mm. know, where you've got somebody who speaks English goes all come goes back with one of the colonists to to England and then comes back to America and teaches them how to. Uh, plough the fields and put dead fish in the fields so that the plants grow but there's a hell of a lot of stuff that goes on with all that but I've tried to condense it down and, and make it an, into a, a kind of a story yeah. without taking too much out of it yeah I mean it's it's quite they were not nice people no they really weren't I would say when you compare them to the modern day Taliban you can see they were exactly like the modern day yeah. Taliban you can see just that yeah, just not not nice at all. That's quite a scary, scary thought to think that an entire country was essentially founded upon these guys. And then, and and I know this doesn't sound. I mean, you you listen to that and you sort of think, oh, you know, they they can't have been that successful because they weren't the only colony. But then you look at Massachusetts in the 1600s and you go into things like the Salem witch trials and how they treated the you know the the oh yeah you know the the quakers and things like that and they i mean they they literally had maybe 100 150 years you have to look if you look at the united states as a complete outsider religion plays one hell of a part in it Mm. you know they do talk about what religion are you what do you do this what do you do that that. and it is a big thing you know you, you don't get it in in Britain, no, but you would have done a hundred years ago or or further yes. back. Further back, you would have done, but now we don't. We don't mention it. There's things you don't mention, you know, in general conversation. Religion being a big one, politics is another one. Mm. You know, those two things you just don't talk about in in general conversation unless you are with. Unless you want an argument. Yeah, A, unless you want an argument, and B, unless you are with a very small group that you know very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I could argue with anyone about politics, but I, I try and stay away from it. Yeah, so, but in America it's different. Mm. So, you know, they've still got that underlying religious sort of thing, and if you the further south you go, the more it's there. yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, they are a very, very religious country. And, and I must admit, and as much as I'm not religious, um, it does seem to give you a good standing. You know, and, uh, and religion... there's a lot to be said for it. But if you go to, if you take it too far, it becomes a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's the same with with everything, isn't it? Really. And yeah, it's a 
it's an interesting episode, and I think hopefully there was someone will. I'm sure there will be comments on this, maybe maybe regarding the conversation at the end rather than the actual well, episode. Well, I hope, and I will take on I will take on board anything that, that that people say. There are some good things that happened, obviously, because America is now the biggest country in the world. It is the only superpower in the world, and there is a reason for it. Mm. So, what these people did actually bears out throughout. You know, yeah. everything. It, it all worked out well in the end yeah but they didn't have a good start and their planning was shit oh yeah really bad it says a lot that the crew tried to sink their own ship just just so they didn't have to take them yeah that tells you everything about the people that actually settled there Mm. Um, and and again you know they took 100 and 110 102 people um and and 18 women i mean that for starters that just the maths doesn't work out no, and only four survived. Yeah. That doesn't give you very much option, does it? No, not really. No. I'd I'm, be at the bottom of the pile there. I'm assuming that's <laughs> where a lot of the natives maybe came in, came into play. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean... Because you've got to remember that if they're that religious, there'd have been nothing outside of marriage. And I would assume, judging by that, all four of those women were married. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So, so there would have been four men, and uh, well, what does that leave? A hundred, you know, seventy other men just not getting, just yeah. not getting anything. That's not a not a place you want to be living, to be honest. The middle of nowhere, pissing down with rain, people trying to shoot you, and no women on the horizon. That's not a doesn't seem like a good place. Doesn't for me. go well, no, does it? No, it but there we are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for thank you for joining us for that, and um, yeah, we'll we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you very much. Swimsuit check. Sunscreen check. Phone charger check. Don't forget to pack the five hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get twenty percent off when you use code five he travel at fivehourenergy.com expires april 30th one time use only not valid with other discounts remember visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5he travel to save 20 percent